It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. And a very good Monday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme. John Paul is on a day off. So Bernie is sitting in taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us, 0818 103 103. You can text your WhatsApp to 086 103 103. And you won't be surprised to hear that there is a lot of coverage of Michael Collins in the paper today because, of course, today is the 22nd of August and it was on this day. August 22nd, 1922, that saw the death of Michael Collins. But there's an awful lot of attention being given to Bail Nablaw and how Bail Nablaw went uh, yesterday and huge, huge uh, numbers. Um, some of the papers saying crowds of more than 10,000. I heard some people yesterday reckoning there was at least 12,000 uh, 12, uh, people gathered at uh, Bail Nablaw to honour Michael Collins. And they heard that the Corkman's legacy is an Irish state which has proven to the world that it can achieve great things when it's free to shape its own uh, destiny. And of course, so many people turned up in Bailnablaw yesterday. Others watched it right around the world online. I, I personally watched it at home on the TV. And the Taoiseach Micheál Martin and the Thánaiste Leo Varadkar jointly paying tribute to Michael Collins on the centenary of his death as they both stressed that the spirit of Michael Collins is very much the spirit of the nation. Both went on to say his legacy is the proud, outward-looking and successful modern republic that Ireland has uh, become. And I'm interested to hear what did uh, what did people make of those. Now, it has been described as a very small section of the crowd who many were displaying Republican flags and banners and they were repeatedly jeering and booing both Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar. Now, they did it as both men arrived, but they also did it during their speeches, which I really thought was particularly disrespectful. But as I say, it's been described as a very small group of hecklers. And in the main, they were drowned out by the majority of the crowd who were applauding the speakers and seemingly many people were shouting for them to show a little bit of respect and you could hear it every now and again and certainly I don't know what it was like actually being in Bail Nablaw did it sound louder than what it was when I was watching it on TV but certainly you could hear at any time when the jeering and the booing 
you know, was starting up, particularly during either the Taoiseach or the Taunus' speech, you could hear the crowd then starting to applaud and cheer. And I was thinking they're trying to drown out the hecklers, which was the absolute right thing uh, to do. And then, of course, there was another uh, moment of uh, drama when Micheál Martin was delivering his speech and he had to pause well, God help us, that young member of the Defence Force, it was the honour guard on duty right behind him, uh, fainted and, and collapsed. Uh, the soldier is believed to have suffered heat exhaustion, was carried away for medical attention. And uh, according to Ralph Regal in The Independent today, he fully recovered and uh, he later met the Taoiseach who checked up on his welfare. But my heart went out to him because just moments before he actually fainted, I was. I, it struck me that, you know, we had this beautiful warm day. The weather was was really, really lovely for it. And it did strike me that the, 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 the colour guard that was standing behind him, because they were in full uniform, and I don't know how long they were in place, but I know when we were offering advice to people who were travelling to Bail and last week in the run-up to the event, we were telling people that you needed to park up your cars and be there at half one. So I'm assuming nearly everybody was in place from about half past one. Don't know if the colour guard were there from half one, but when you're standing there in, in full, that uniform is quite heavy as well and the hat on and gloves and the big boots, etc. And you could see how pale the young lad was going, but I, I just might my heart really did uh, go out to him. Anyway, that was the really only big moment of drama uh, that happened at the actual orations themselves. And the centenary uh, ceremony featured full military honours. And also, of course, what was there was the sleeve Naman, the armoured car that had accompanied General Collins on the fateful day. And it was a chance as well for everybody to see the memorial site, which has, of course, been refurbished by uh, Cork County Council. And then there was very obviously extended members of Michael Collins family were also present and it was his grand niece Eleanor Moore she was the one who spoke on behalf of the family and she recalled her great grandmother's moving tribute to her lost brother and she was talking Eleanor was talking about the first anniversary back in 1923 when at that time, the Irish National Army commissioned and erected the, the very impressive memorial cross and monument, which stands at Bailinablaw as a mark of respect to their first commander in chief. And it was her great grandmother, Mary Collins, who as part of that, the first anniversary commemorations, laid a very simple wreath. And she'd just written on it to Mary from Michael and I just thought it was so simple so poignant and you know while the, the nation was mourning here was a family who had very much you know lost a much loved son, brother and uncle and I thought that was a really nice uh, story that Eleanor Moore shared and, and just you know brought home to everyone that you know Michael Collins was uh, of course a family man as well and can we also say congratulations to everybody in Town. 75 people named Michael Collins turned up. We've been talking again about this last week, trying to encourage Michael Collins is, is from all over the country and indeed all over the world to gather in Town to try to set a record. So a record has been set, 75. I think the youngest I saw or heard was four months and I think the eldest was 86. A great gathering of people who all share the same name of Michael Collins and they're going to do it all again next year and they're hoping next year get the word out and that they're hoping maybe they, they might break the record of 75 and maybe even manage to get uh, 100 people named Michael Collins uh, together. But your thoughts and comments welcomed on how Bail Nablaw went yesterday, whether you were there 
a part of that large, large gathering. Or whether like me, you watched it on TV or for others living overseas, being able to watch it online as well. Michael says, Patricia, what a powerful day yesterday uh, was in Bailnablaw, both weather-wise and historically. Thousands turned out. And Michael said, I would say that a lot more would actually stayed away because of bad weather forecasting. Yeah, actually, I, I need to check back on that. I, I was surprised by how lovely yesterday was. And I didn't think the weather forecast was meant to be that good for the weekend. But yeah, uh, maybe the weather forecasters got it wrong. Anyway, it certainly was a, a, a was a brilliant day for people who went to Bail Nablaw. Anyway, back to Michael's text. Both Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar did our country proud by doing something that should have been done many, many years ago by delivering the Michael Collins oration, which was watched around the world. Some of those who attended sought fit to jeer them. Such a low level of intelligence, regardless of what political background you come from. It's so, so sad that it can still exist in a modern educated Ireland of the of the 20s. However, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are indelibly tied together as long as Sinn Féin say as strong as they are. And that's according to Michael uh, texting us from Castletown Bear. Thank you for that. Len Magella in Kerry was on to um, to uh, Bernie sitting in for John Paul and she says uh, the people who were booing yesterday were she said the people who were booing were probably making people aware about the comment Micheál Martin made. We want nothing to do with this idea of backward thinking of Irish sovereignty back in 2017. So for him to be at the commemoration yesterday, she felt was not fitting. Now, I don't know if the people who were booing were cheering, if it was anything to do with that or not, uh, Magella, because they were both booing Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar. And it was a very small cohort. They reckon that the people were telling it was a very small cohort of hecklers. Thank you for your call, though, to 0818103. 103. Some of your thoughts on Bail and the Blaw yesterday. Hi Patricia, it was a new chapter in history yesterday at Bail and the Blaw. It was clear the two rivals are no longer on different sides. I hope that this will be built on. There are no need for two parties now. Thank God for that, says this texter. Uh, Ross says, in a free society, those who booed are entitled to their opinions. Not everyone is Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael. Uh, yeah, but I still go back to, isn't there a time and a place for booing and heckling? Hi, Patricia. Was any Sinn Féin representative at the memorial uh, yesterday? Well, I suppose the fact that it was a commemoration, anyone is entitled to turn up. So I'm assuming that there was members of the Sinn Féin party there as well. A Killarney listener says, Hi, Patricia Bale and Ball commemoration was wonderful and Cork County Council did a terrific job on the refurbishment. If you went by the Met Air and forecast, we all would have been fooled yesterday. It was a super day. So, yes, yeah, so the for- forecast was saying something different, was it? That's from a Killarney listener. Thank you for that. Uh, yes, I agree with your listener that Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar should not have been there, should not have given the orations. Insult to Michael Collins, the way they're running the country. At the moment, he would turn in his grave along with all those who fought for freedom of this country. Again, I just wonder, is there a time and a place? We still have freedom in this country, thankfully. And remember, you know, they were there to remember the 100th anniversary of the death of one of this of the country's, you know, greatest heroes of Irish history. I just don't know if the booing was appropriate. I, I, I still, it just doesn't uh, sit with me. Jerry in Middleton watched it on uh, TV. People were not happy with the two main speakers. 
with so much homelessness and the, the the health service at the moment, a lot of people also felt that Michael D. Higgins should have been one of the speakers. I did see that actually on social media. People were saying, why was Michael D. Higgins not one of the speakers? But I suppose it's up to the organising committee. It's run by a local committee and they every year pick someone to do the oration and it was just for the 100th uh, anniversary that they went with two to deliver. There's usually just one person to deliver the oration. And Martin, Martina, my apologies, Martina, Martina in Mill Street, she was at Bail and Law yesterday. She reckoned there was a group of about 30, that's how small the group were, who were booing and cheering and uh, heckling. Uh, she said they arrived with whistles, they arrived with bow runs and they came with the intention of causing as much noise as possible. They jeered and they shouted even when that young soldier fainted. Now that's just really not on. The people around them kept cheering and trying to drown them out every time they started. Yeah, and I did hear that there was people shouting, can you just show a little bit of respect please? But I mean, if they're going there and with whistles and bow runs, they're just going there to heck to to heckle. And the fact that they would 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 jeer and shout and boo when that young lad fainted, I mean, just shows they were just there to heckle and nothing else. Oh eight one eight one oh three one oh three. Bernie's taking your calls. You can text, you can WhatsApp, oh eight six two one oh three one oh three. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 Now the weekend before last, Cork County Council were forced to raise the red flag at the Warren Beach in Roscarbury, indicating that it was closed for swimming due to a potential public health risk with water quality. To discuss the situation, West Cork, Fine Gael-based Senator Tim Lombard uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning. And before we get to this issue of the uh, Warren, an amazing weekend in uh, West Cork, culminating yesterday in the commemoration of Bail Law. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, look, I think there's an awful lot of work done by local communities, in particular around West Cork, um, whether it was Sam's Cross, whether it was um, Clannock Kilty, which had a wonderful parade and show last Saturday. And then we moved on to Blaine of Law and the action site of the ambush yesterday at 3 o'clock. So we had thousands of people in West Cork from all over Ireland and all over Europe as well. Uh, the most people I met who came in from abroad was amazing as well. So, yeah, it was a special occasion um, 100 years ago. I think that uh, General Mount Collins' fascination on that spot was a, it was a privilege to be there and it was a unique occasion in many ways to have both the teachers and the tourists speaking there and it worked out really well. Um, yeah, it was just... Yeah, and, and, and certainly the gods were shining down. The weather was terrific, wasn't it, yesterday? It was beyond belief, yeah. actually. Before the start of it, uh, a man near enough to paint it and I think there was a few people actually would have felt the heat on that day yeah. at, um, at the site. But the amount of work been done on the site, it was, it's a site to behold. Um, anyone who hasn't been there yet, like there's an awful lot of money been put into it. They've changed the layout of the road. They have a completely revamped monument there. The site across the way has been all cleared. It really is something really special. And in many ways, from what I can gather, even watching BBC News late last night, this is going to be an international monument from now on. I think we've had our, I think the story of Michael Collins has, you know, it's gone globally at this stage. So I think that's really important for us. Yeah, and cre- credit due to uh, Cork County Council. And, and I know we were walk- we were talking about it on the programme last week because there was concerns that the site wouldn't be ready, but we were we were guaranteed it would be, and, and it was. And I, I mean, I, I, I wasn't, unfortunately I wasn't able to go, but I watched it on TV and just, it looked 
absolutely stunning. And I'd already seen some video footage and, and photographic uh, photographs of it. And it looks so, so uh, there's a modern feel to it. But also what I really like about it is it's ensuring that this monument will be there for the next hundred years. Absolutely. And I think great credit must go to Cork and the Council and to their, their designer. She's a wonderful lady. She's an Italian lady, I think. Um, I met her on site on Friday morning and like the amount of work that's gone into the site, whether it's the actual engraving of the actual towns that Collins built us the day that he was lost, to the actual where the sun rises, how it actually shines on the actual monument itself. There's so much there on that site. It, it really is an international site. I think that's the kind of terminology I, I would use mm. now. And it's going to be something that we'll be taking our grand children so hopefully in, in yeah yeah time. and I think you know I think the the real spin-off from a local point of view is going to come in the years ahead because it's going to attract a lot more people to go and visit the site Oh, absolutely. And I think that's really, I think that's probably it's like this has now, we've lifted the bar here now again. It's now completely different to actual name recognition for Collins. And also the site has totally changed the outlook. But also the other small villages and towns like Sam's Cross, we're down Sam's Cross on yesterday morning at 7 o'clock for a wonderful community event um, right beside the birthplace of Michael Collins in Bullview. So we were there as well and that was a really special occasion where that entire parish and community where Collins was born came out to acknowledge that, you know, 100 years ago we were there, parishioners were lost. And didn't Clannacilty on Saturday, and like, Clannacilty was fantastic on mm. Saturday. Like, the amount of people that came for the parade, for the pageant that was there, for the exhibition of the cars, and then there was... And the a, amount of people that dressed up in the period costumes was oh, terrific. Was terrific. Wonderful. The community volume was just beyond the it really was something to behold. And uh, then there was a, 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 a series of seminars afterwards in the school there were Collins himself at the school. And like I learned more in that two and a half hours sitting there than I ever did about Collins. So yeah. it really was. Well, a, well done. Well issue. done to everyone, everyone who got involved. And, and 75 Michael Collinses turned up in Newcastle, <laughs> which was yeah. which was lovely. It was, lo- it was a lovely little event. It was something uh, different, anyway. It yeah, was, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Now, we invite you on the programme uh, this morning to talk about what happened last weekend, the weekend before last. Um, now, the reason, it seems, was an overflow of waste water. Can you explain to us at this stage what happened at the Warren in Ross Yeah, look, there's different versions of what actually happened down there. So basically, the Warren Beach is probably the most ideal beautiful scenic areas that you're going to come across from West Cork. Really busy beach down there beside Ross Carberry. Ross Carberry has a huge tourism population for three months a year. The population grows by by hundreds of percent. It's hard to actually quantify how many people come into Ross Carberry for summer occasions. And the treatment plant are septic tanks, which is basically what they're coming under pressure at that time of year and has done for a considerable period of time. And uh, the weekend before last, there was um, a break from nature. Uh, Cork and the Council were giving me the pressure of the pipe that uh, broke. Uh, locals are telling me that was an overflow directly from the tank itself. And unfortunately, it went into the tide and the entire beach had to be closed off in a red flag scenario for nearly up to three days, uh, which was really disappointing for, you know, the marketing of West Cork in particular, but also that brand to the world, which has a really strong brand. It really is. But Cork County Council reacted very quickly, which they have to do. Yes, so they actually, on that fatal day, they, they actually closed the beach down, put up the red flag, 
and uh, one of the locals described me as a scene from uh, the, the film Jaws where the beach was full but nobody's in the water. Oh, God. So it was uh, quite an unusual and, and it has reopened. It's, it's been deemed it safe um, yes. since... It since has, there. It and and cause if my memory serves me right, didn't Ross Carby lose the blue flag status last yeah, year last because year. of water quality, wasn't it? Yes, this is an ongoing issue. So we have an issue with that actual treatment plant or septic tank that's there at the moment and look there was plans there from Irish Water previously to re to upgrade that entire uh, plant. That hasn't happened. And I think that's where where we're gonna to have to go back to make sure that Irish Water come in again and revisit the actual plans to make sure they do something uh, appropriate to make sure we don't have a scenario where we have a red flag scenario at that beach. And like I know there's gonna be a public meeting down in Ross Carby in the next few days about this issue because the locals are genuinely upset. I think that one of their prime locations had to be closed in the middle of summer because of an overflow or a break or whatever it was regarding the actual wastewater actually getting to the tide. And it was very disappointing to think that that actually happened. Is it not now time for Irish Water to just prioritise this, what is planned upgrade of the wastewater treatment facility? I, I think, you know, when you look at priorities, we look at water quality, you look at all these issues, like we're going to have an issue in nitrates and everything about nitrates in a few, in a few months' time about where we are in our water quality in the agricultural industry. Like if the local authority doesn't step up and make sure that Irish Water work together to actually make sure this treatment plant is upgraded, it's very hard for us to look at other sectors of society and say you're not doing a good enough job. So like they must show um, you know, true leadership here now to actually come into, into this space and to provide a suitable treatment plant And any indication from them as to when the treatment facility will be upgraded? Yeah, so this is the issue. Um, we were hoping that last year we were going to get good news on it because this has been an ongoing issue over the last few years. This has been an issue that has always been there in the background in Irish Water and Cork and the South before we were very much aware of it. And we are hoping that this was going to be prioritised last year. Unfortunately, we didn't get that light. And I think that's the problem. Because we didn't actually get movement last year, I'm genuinely concerned about where the priority for our water is now. And that priority has to be about, you know, locations where we have a serious breach. And this is where these key locations in County Park itself. And there's significant money within the Irish water remit regarding capital investment. And even if they started the project here today, like it would take three to four years to let deliver. And that's going to take, you know, an awful lot of persuading in the local community to think that we could have another instance of this nature while Cork, while Irish Water are still working on plans actually for the issue. Yeah, yeah, because it's, it's not just as simple as saying we'll go in next week and do it. It's a major, oh. major job. It really is. And there's buying here from the local landowners, there's buying here from the local community. Um, like they really want to get this issue solved. And you know, you obviously would want it too yourself. Nobody wants to have a scenario where a beach of such quality in nature would be closed on a prime weekend in the month of August. That is not good for the brand of West Coast, not good for the brand of anything to do with what we're really selling, which is an idyllic location with good food, which has a great price range. And have a scenario where one of our major amenities has been closed off for a period of three to four days. It's probably not appropriate to say the very least. So what we need to see here now is Irish Water working with Cock and Council to prioritise this, to bring a plan forward so we can make sure this doesn't happen again hopefully.
Okay, all right, we'll leave it there, uh, Tim. Listen, thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the programme. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Fina Gale, West Cork based uh, Senator Tim uh, Lambert. Bernie's taking your calls at 0818 103 103. I can still see some calls coming in on uh, Bail and Blow and the commemoration yesterday. Jerry in Middleton would not agree with I said we do have freedom in this uh, country. He wants to point out that, of course, six of our counties are still not ours. In the Good Friday Agreement, we are allowed to vote for a united Ireland. So will we get the six counties back within the next 20 years? Jerry and Middleton, I take from the tone of your text, you're hoping that it will happen within the next 20 years. And Deputy Michael Collins was on to say there was a great night in Newsystem. 78 Michael Collinses uh, presented from all over the country. There was even some from the UK and a new record has been set. And of course, Deputy Michael Collins uh, the independent uh, West Cork based councillor he was the MC for the event and he's got a son Michael Collins so we, we knew there was going to be two Michael Collins turning up but 78 I thought it was 75 thank you uh, for that uh, Michael also uh, coming in to uh, us Mike says Patricia it was great to see Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar uh, speaking for on one platform. It is just sad that some people decided to use it for booing. Uh, not happy with that at all. And then Noreen in Mallow says, Hi Patricia, what a fantastic day we had in Bay and Blois yesterday. The weather was glorious. Noreen says, I even brought an umbrella with me just in case. Anyway, I'm not a fan, says Noreen of Micheál Martin. But I did get emotional with his speech and how he described... The way he described Michael Collins was just beautiful. I thought so uh, and I did shed some tears for our great last leader and commander in chief yesterday. The booing was okay, as I felt they were not disrespectful to the memory of Michael Collins yesterday. But what they were booing and cheering about was the speeches from Micheál Martin and Leo Varadkar. It sort of hit a nerve on how great they were when they said this, it, how how our country is doing 100 years later and it's better and how it's developed by both Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil and that wasn't received well. The country is not good today after what Michael Collins tried to achieve, achieve and died for indeed. Now, says Noreen, that is just my opinion, of course. But the event, it was really well organised yesterday regarding parking and stewarding, etc. Everybody was lovely there that we met, met and just on the people that were booing and and heckling a previous texter to your programme said there was about 30 people. I would disagree. I was near some of them and they were spread around. I reckon there was about 200 of them. And I was I was only saying it to a person who was standing uh, near me. But it was a fabulous, fabulous uh, day out. And that's from Noreen in Mallow. And I suppose, and thank you for pointing that out, how well organised it was. So I think everybody involved in the Michael Collins Commemoration Committee, they all need to take a bow and all of the local stewards and the local farmers who would have got involved to allow land to be used uh, for the actual commemoration and all the park and rides that went on. There was a lot of sort of the hinterland got involved in local communities. So well done to everyone uh, because certainly, as I say, just even watching it on TV, it really was a, um, st- came across as a stunning event. So thanks to everybody, um, uh, well done to everybody who contributed in whatever way yesterday. 0818 taking your calls you can text you can whatsapp to 0862 103 103
Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. And some of your calls and comments coming in. John in Cork City watched Bail and Blaw on TV yesterday. He thought the booing sounded very loud. He said it was, but the booing he reckoned was about the state of the country and not about the civil war uh, politics. Yeah, and that's my point watching was, isn't there a time and a place? Someone else says, I also watched the Bail and Blaw uh, commemoration on TV yesterday. Those people that were behaving badly. Why didn't they stay home? It was embarrassing to listen to. If they wanted to heckle, why didn't they simply sing an Irish song? It would have been better than the booing and the cheering. OK, that's just still some of your calls coming in on uh, Bail and Blaw. 0818103103. And I mentioned the Warren in Roscarbury and the fact that it had to close for, I think it was three days uh, last week due to uh, something happened at the tree been plant there seems to be a bit of confusion as to exactly what happened but at least it's been rectified now and it is now once again safe for swimming but it is awful for any one of our beautiful beaches to go down there and to see a red flag flying meaning it is not safe for swimming Mike in Bantry says it was a great weekend had by all at Birdwatch Ireland they were in Ross Garby and it's a wonderful place seemingly for bird watching and a lot of bird watchers go to Ross Garby so that is good to hear and it's good to hear that the red flag wasn't flying over the Warren particularly well because I'm assuming people from all over the country and maybe even further afield came for bird watching at the weekend thank you for your text uh, Mike and here's one on uh, and I, we have our insurance expert a little bit later on so I don't know whether this can be is something that I can push to Paul Kavanagh later on but this uh, texter who unfortunately is at work and can't come on air and said but could I please put a question to the public and to your listeners has anybody out there any experience with receiving a mortgage protection waiver from permanent TSB under the Credit Act of 1995 for over 50s and someone who can't get insurance on a joint mortgage when one party has it but the other can't get it? Has permanent TSB ever permitted the waiver for a small mortgage for anyone out there were desperate were due to complete a sale and can't get insurance for one of us? Oh, that sounds like an absolute nightmare. Now, I'm hoping that that makes sense to somebody who has recently gone through that situation and can offer advice. Let me get, let me just go. It's a mortgage protection waiver under the Credit Act for people over the age of 50. It's a joint mortgage. One party is able to get insurance and the other uh, isn't. Has permanent TSB ever permitted the waiver for a small mortgage? If anybody has advice on that or knows exactly what that is all about and can point our listener in the right direction, if you can contact us, please 0818 103 or if you can text our WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And I don't know how many uh, parents in our area are affected by this but it seems that there are thousands of families still waiting to hear if their children will get a seat on the school bus this year. And this is down to a massive surge in demand for places. And I remember predicting this at the time when the government and the Minister for Education announced that it is wavering school transport fees this year. I mean, that was a very welcome decision. But I remember thinking at the time, this is going to cause so many people who maybe their children normally wouldn't have gone on the bus 
suddenly now when they don't have to pay for the bus they're going to put their son or daughter on the bus and we're going to have a surge in the number of people applying it seems that politicians all over the country so I'm assuming it's happening here in Cork are inundated with pleas for help from worried parents uh, with some claiming that they've been told that their children have missed out under a lottery scheme despite children these are some students who have been on the bus for many many years and their parents have paid for their bus tickets and they have the proof that their child has been on the bus for many, many years. And unfortunately, this year they're missing out. Now, Bus Aaron, they operate the school transport scheme for the government. And Bus Aaron are saying that they are still working through the applications and they can only issue tickets when extra buses and drivers are sor- sourced. They're attributing delays to what Bus Aaron say is an unprecedented surge in applications after the coalition announced in July that parents would not have to pay for the service for the upcoming school year. And obviously I can understand why the coalition did that. It was to help families with the cost of living crisis. The company said it's received a record 130,000 applications for school bus tickets by the closing date of the 29th of July. And they say that 44,300 were first time applicants. And I saw in the Irish Times this morning, Fianna Fáil Senator Fiona Lachlan, she's in County Kildare. She said that the temporary waiver, while it was a good move, but it's now created a need for extra buses and for extra drivers. But the big problem that's going to be, and it's an issue that we've dealt with on previous years, is to do with the children who get a concessionary ticket. Some of these children, uh, pupils have been getting concessionary tickets for many years and they may not be facilitated this year. Now, the concessionary tickets are traditionally given to pupils who do not necessarily meet the criteria for the scheme. You know, an example might be that they might be attending their nearest scheme, uh, but they live in a very rural uh, area. And if there's capacity on the bus, then they get one of these concessionary tickets that obviously their parents uh, pay uh, for. Now, it seems some parents are saying that they are considering giving up their jobs because they're going to have to get their children to and from school. Others are saying they're going to have to go out and buy a second car in order to get their children to and from uh, school. And, you know, we're trying to encourage everybody to use public uh, transport. And this really seems like it is a bit of uh, a nightmare. 96% of the school bus services are operated by private companies they're subcontracted to Bus Aaron. And this is where the problem, the main problem lies is that when you go and you talk with private bus companies, there are not enough coaches out there. And we've got about, what, a week left before the schools reopen. There's also an additional problem, which is the mandatory retirement age for school bus drivers. They must retire at uh, 70. And that's exacerbating the issue that there isn't enough drivers out there. And I saw a group called the Coach Tourism and and Transport Council of Ireland. They say, look, it's great to give people free transport, but it should have been planned. It should have been announced earlier. They say they should have all sat around a table and figured out what was available and now trying to get everything organised in such a short time frame is simply impossible. Now, more than 100,000 tickets have already been issued and Bus Aaron say that they're still processing applications and they'll issue tickets as soon as extra buses 
and extra drivers are, are sourced and become available, which will provide transport for a higher number qualifying for the service. However, Bus Aaron say, regrettably, the unprecedented numbers of new applicants for the upcoming school year has led to delays with issuing the tickets. And for those who normally get concessionary tickets, Bus Aaron say availability of seats, obviously that varies year to year. And they're now saying they cannot be guaranteed for the duration of the child's school education cycle. And they say that's always been the way just because your son or daughter got on the bus in first year, second year and third year. They're saying it might not be the case that they'll get on the school bus for fifth year and uh, sixth year. But Bus Aaron are also declining to confirm claims by some parents that they were told seats were allocated through a lottery system. It said it would not have a figure on how many pupils were not offered a seat until it finishes processing all of the applications that they have received. So they're still working on the applications that have come in. But if 44,300 first time applicants, you are assuming they are from people who are entitled to a seat on the bus, who traditionally in the past, the parents would have taken their children to school. But because the bus is free this year, they're obviously thinking of it's a saving on diesel and on petrol. If you're one of those, let us know if you have a story to tell. If you are waiting on a school bus seat particularly from a concessionary point of view what are you going to do if your child can't get on the bus 0818 103 103 Bernie's taking your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Hi Patricia any information on the NAD village to Cork Road closure Uh, is it happening all this week where is it closed off from and for how long it is closed from today I'm assuming from early this morning it's Queen's Cross to NAD Village and actually we discussed it because we got some calls in about this last week because some people weren't aware that it was actually happening even though Cork County Council did publish this uh, proposed road closure back in the end of, June, end of June I think it was anyway it's closed for the entire week so it's closed from the 22nd which is today and it's closed through to the 26th so Monday through to Friday for people travelling from NAD or beyond NAD heading say to Cork City are certainly going to be caught up in this but they're hoping that the works will all be undertaken within a week and it is to do a cattle pass and they're making an underpass and I know somebody from the farming community came on and said look while it's going to be inconvenient for people for this week it is short term pain for long term gain because once this underpass is built which is what they're doing this week it means there won't be cattle out on the road anymore which has obviously delayed people morning and evening with cattle going for milking so it's closed for the entire week from Queen's Cross through to Nad Village hopefully it won't prove too inconvenient for you 0818 103 103 still getting in calls and texts about Bail Nablaw yesterday let me bring you some of them oh Noreen Amala was back on Noreen had been at Bail Nablaw yesterday and said it was absolutely wonderful wonderful day out and uh, she was the person who said you know well done to everybody who organised it. It was just so efficient and so well organised by the local people. Noreen got back on to say, Patricia, I forgot to add, would you believe, but there were people offering that we could park our cars in their yards. There was people offering from Crookstown right the way heading towards Bailenham Law. How lovely that this kind of hospitality exists in 2022. I was completely knocked over by the kindness of the people in West Cork. I want to say a big thank you 
to the wonderful people living down around and near Bailnablaw for their kind gestures. Also, the Gardaí who are on duty were absolutely wonderful yesterday. They were kind. They were in great form with their chats and in giving us directions of where we needed to go. There was a huge crowd that they had to deal with and they dealt with it all so well. Fair play to each and every one of them. Kind regards from Noreen in Mallow who experienced that West Cork hospitality and the kindness. I'm always talking about the kindness uh, and the friendliness of the people of West Cork. Now, listen, it's reflected in other parts of the county as well, but it always seems to stand out for some reason in West Cork. I don't quite know if I can put my finger on it, but I certainly know exactly what you're talking about, uh, Noreen. Hi, Patricia. We really enjoyed the Michael Collins commemoration yesterday. We opted to watch it on TV and then we went over to Bailnablaw last night. We went at about half past seven to take some photographs. There was lots of people still there and that was at half past uh, seven. Micheál Martin and Eir Varadkar I felt spoke very well yesterday they were brilliant and they did our country and every one of us proud shame on the people were booing have they no manners that's according to Breed and says Patricia the commemoration service at Bail and Blow yesterday was great I also watched it on TV thank God that young soldier that fainted during Micheál Martin's oration is okay there will always be people who will heckle during a speech but I did feel it was very disrespectful yeah that's what I felt watching it as well because I was very much thinking about Michael Collins and a hundred years ago and only on Friday on the programme when I was speaking with the wonderful Tim Crowley of the Michael Collins uh, Centre and I, who I thought was fantastic actually when I interviewed him on, on Friday I was trying to get into the mindset of Michael Collins in the days leading up to his 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 death you know he he had escaped so many uh, possible assassinations in the years previous to that and of course he felt safe because he was in his own county and didn't he actually say that or who'd shoot me in my own county you know and I, and I was very much thinking of the man that was Michael Collins and and then yeah, so the booing just to me just, just didn't sit right with me and then Tim says Patricia a man not present who embodied the political aspirations of Michael Collins was the late Peter Barry when the sons of Kitty Kiernan decided to put the letters between Kitty Kiernan and Michael Collins up for uh, sale it was Peter Barry who stepped in and bought them says Tim and thank you for reminding me of that because I'd forgotten that and that happened and I just did a quick Google search just to remind me of the dates on it. I think it was the mid 90s. It might have been around 1995. It was a collection of letters between Michael Collins and his then fiance Kitty Kiernan. Um, and in 2000, they were donated to the Irish uh, government. It was 305 letters in total. And of course, those letters show just the wonderful insights and the the softer side of Michael Collins and kind of the side of Michael Collins that isn't really reflected in the history books and you don't get to hear about in the history books and at the time Peter Barry decided to purchase the letters they were at an auction in Dublin um, now, I'm, the piece I'm reading said it was five years ago and this piece was in November of 2000. So, yeah, so it was around 1995. And at the time, he purchased them for £45,000. And that was a lot of money in 1995. And he said at the time that he did not think the collection would have remained in Ireland if 
he hadn't decided to step in and bid and if his bid wasn't successful the bids were carried out by phone and he had a hunch that the next highest bidder was actually an American university who would love to have got these letters and then would have put them no I'm sure they probably would have went on public display but they would have been in some university library but they would have been lost to Ireland. So Peter Barry at the time decided, no, there's no way that these letters can be lost to Ireland. So he purchased them in 1995 and then five years later, he donated the letters to the Cork Public Museum at Fitzgerald Park and forevermore then they are, they're they're held for future generations. So it was a, a great, kind, wonderful act that was done on behalf of Peter Barry. So yes, you are right, Tim. It's only right and proper that we should remember Peter Barry as well. Thank you for reminding us of that 0818 103 103 Bernie is taking your calls you can text you can whatsapp to 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Now a general worker is wanted this is for building work in the Mitchellstown area no experience is necessary but if you're interested in the position can you please call 086 8786 the Little Haven Play School, they're based in Union Hall. They've got a vacancy for an experienced AIM early years assistant slash practitioner. It's for nine hours per week. You need to have a minimum of level five qualifications. You can email your CV and a cover letter, please, to the committee LHPS Little Haven Play School at gmail.com. C103, we're hiring a junior sales executive. CVs, please, to the HR manager at c103.ie. A carpenter is wanted. This is for indoor work in Cork City. You must have your own t- tools and you need to email a CV to jobs at hamiltonfrench.com or call them at 087 165 And general labourers are required for the North Cork area. You need to be over 25 with a full clean driver's licence and you also need to have experience with painting. Full and part-time positions are available. Call 087-7566-524 and if you're calling, please call after 7pm. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. At the start of July this year, the Adoption Authority of Ireland welcomed the commencement of the Birth Information and Tracing Act and have invited adopted persons, parents and others affected by the Act to register their preference in relation to contact with the authority. To explain further, I'm joined by Patricia Carey, who is CEO of the Adoption Authority. Good morning to you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Yeah, and you're very welcome to the programme. I suppose, can you start by explaining what rights adopted people will now have due to this new piece of legislation? So I suppose in the first instance, just to say this is landmark historical legislation in Ireland. It's the first time that there has been information and tracing legislation related to adopted people or those who are boarded out or those whose births were illegally registered. And what it means from October, from the first week in October, is that people can apply for any and all information held about their adoption from the Irish state, so either held by the Adoption Authority of Ireland or by the Child and Family Agency. 
And in advance of that, we established a contact preference register, which you mentioned there at the top of the piece. So that's for anyone who has adopted, their relatives, their birth relatives, uh, adopted persons, or those who may believe they were affected by this legislation to register. They may wish to have contact with their families of origin. They may wish to share information. They may wish to share medical information. And in a small number of instances, they may wish to have no contact. So we're gathering those regi- those people who wish to register. We've had 1,600 people uh, fill in an application form so far through the Birth Info website. That's birthinfo.ie. And we're receiving a really positive response to that. In the main, are people open to being contacted? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Of the 1,600 people, I think we've had about 35 people register no contact. Uh, so about 25 of those were adopted people and a small number of birth parents who've registered no contact. And what we find is that sometimes through conversations, uh, people might change their mind or they, they don't fully understand what contact means. And we're very careful to distinguish the provision of information, which will be a right for all adopted people from October to a tracing service. So some people may wish to make contact with their birth families um, some people may not wish to make contact, but in the main, we expect that most people will make an application for the information held about them. So that would include their original birth certificate. It would include all of their care and early life information. It would include any information about vaccinations received, about genetic medical information, and we will provide that to adopted people. And up to this piece of legislation going through, Patricia, what had been happening was people were applying for information, but they were getting redacted versions. So they know that there's information there, but it was just it was redacted when it was given to them. Exactly. And deeply frustrating for people. So just for your listeners, redacted is where certain portions are blacked out. So names and details that would identify another person. And what this legislation says is that the adopted person or the person who was boarded out or illegally registered is entitled to all of that information. So it will give them the full picture of their birth and early life information where it exists. And it's important to say that, you know, in some instances there are significant files and records. In others, unfortunately, maybe going back to the 20s, 30s, 40s and 50s in Ireland, the record keeping wasn't as rigorous as it is nowadays. So some people may be disappointed in what they receive, but the legislation clearly outlines that whatever uh, records and files are held on an individual will be released to them come October. And it's important also to say that's a free service. People can make their applications in October to the Adoption Authority and to the Child and Family Agency for the information held by either ourselves or the CFA. And then if uh, an adopted person wants to try and trace their birth mm. mother, parents, uh, would there be help available? Absolutely. And, and it's a two-pronged approach. So the first, in October, as I said, uh, people can apply for their information. They can also make an application for a tracing service. And that service will be delivered by either ourselves or the Child and Family Agency, depending on who holds the file and record. And we will do our best to you know, make contact with the birth parent, birth mother, or in some instances, fathers or siblings, and engage then and and hopefully, you know, reach a point where all parties are in agreement. And often people might share letters or, you know, emails or phone calls, and then in some instances they may wish to meet. I know, uh, Patricia, when we first started talking about this legislation earlier on in the year, 
I, I had a couple of really heartbreaking letters in from women who had given children up for oh. adoption uh, many years ago who yeah. were terrified of this piece of legislation because they'd never shared the information, yeah. you know, they're married now, they've got children. And this fear factor that somebody is going to knock on their front door going, you know, this yeah. you know, 50 year old man standing at the door mm. going, I'm your long lost son. I know. So I can tell you, I mean, I've been in the CEO here for eight years and I've never heard of anyone doorstepping, as we call it, or knocking on someone's door. And I think sometimes, you know, um, you see programmes on television that do a disservice. Um, I don't think any adopted person has a lesser understanding of the right to privacy of their family of origin. So I would really say to your listeners not to be fearful of that. That has never in my experience happened. What does happen is that we work with birth mothers in particular who maybe are fearful, who maybe haven't spoken to somebody for decades and encourage them maybe to find a trusted friend or professional that they can talk through the issues. And again, as I say, of the small number of birth mothers who've registered no contact over time, some of them do change their mind or they decide to tell somebody, uh, maybe a cousin or a friend or a GP or somebody in their community who they believe they can trust. And often that will assuage their fears. Now, there will be some people, for whatever reason, who will just say, I'm not going to be in a position to, to tell somebody about that. And, and that's very sad. And I think, you know, we'd all say that as a nation, we've grown up and matured, particularly over the last 10 years. We've had very difficult conversations about a range of issues. And I think adoption and children being relinquished for adoption has been one of those issues. So I would encourage anyone who hasn't spoken to somebody so far to find somebody in your community that you can have a conversation with or they can talk to one of the, the staff here in the Adoption Authority or in the Child and Family Agency and also through Bernardo's we're providing support, particularly for birth mothers who may wish to have those conversations. But there is help and support available. Yeah, reach there. out. Re- yeah, yeah please reach Find out. Somebody. And you'd be surprised the amount of people who, you know, if you do talk to somebody, they might say, well, actually, I was adopted or yeah. my mother was adopted or I know somebody who was adopted. So it's not going to be this foreign country that you're having a conversation that people don't understand. And I think that people are very open and supportive of those conversations. Yeah, because there's very few families in this country who haven't been touched in some way by Absolutely. adoption. And we always say that. And it's one of the reasons that we we arranged um, for a booklet to be delivered to every household in Ireland, just outlining the range of you know possibilities for people, answering some questions. And we're encouraging people, you know, if they can, to, to look at the Birth Info website. I'm conscious of people who may not have Wi-Fi or access to computers. But also, you know, the booklet is available in libraries and, you know, all public places. We've, we've delivered those booklets so people can sit down and read it and have a chance to maybe have a conversation with somebody about the options. Yeah. And what I'm really hoping through all of this, Patricia, is that we'll move away from that shame that was attached to women who Absolutely. had a baby out of wedlock. You know, all Absolutely. they did was bring a life into this world. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a really key point. You know, somebody said to me recently, for every woman who had a child out of wedlock, there was a man as well. And we're really, really encouraging birth fathers to come forward. You know, in some instances, they may have been cut out of the picture. They may not have had the full information at the time. But, you know, I think you've hit the nail on the head. There is no shame in this. This is something that happened in a very different time and place in Ireland. And we have all matured and we're all willing and able now to have those conversations within families.
What if the uh, the relevant person, Patricia, has died? Can can a son or a daughter request? They can. They can absolutely. And and this bill, this legislation, this uh, act is is very open to that to to relatives, you know, of of birth parents coming forward and adopted people. So we want to have those. You know, we want we want to ensure that people who should have the information have the information. And I often talk quite critically about medical information that that there may be a genetic medical illness in somebody's family that they really need to know about. So that this legislation opens up that possibility for the first time. Okay, I was uh, talking with a young man who lives uh, locally who had been adopted and he reached mm. out to his birth mother and the birth mother didn't, unfortunately, didn't want uh, mm. to connect with him. Is it possible for him to reach out to other family members, siblings? It is, it is. And, and that's why when the tracing service opens in October, you know, there's a range of possibility. And that that's quite a common feature that sometimes a birth mother may say, look, I'm I'm not... That's not where I want to go. I've moved on with my life and we have to respect that. But there may be siblings or half-siblings, other members of the family. And we often find that the tracing work that we, we do isn't always related to birth mothers or fathers. It's the wider family members who are often very you know, happy and, and delighted to have contact. So I would encourage that young man or anyone in a similar situation to come back to us in October. Tell us about how far they got on their tracing journey previously and then we can tease out the issues for looking for other family members that's no difficulty whatsoever well done well done okay so it's a birthinfo.ie and it's been open it's for three months so it's july august and september and uh, it will stay open okay. it's just that i suppose for the first three months we're really trying to gather as many applications for people who don't want contact so that we can we can respect their privacy and, and talk to people about that but the register will continue and in October, applications open for information and also for tracing services. And for the people, as you say, it's a very small number who don't want contact. When somebody requests their birth cert, it's at that point they're told, is it? It is. So when we will still be releasing the information, but we will be telling the adopted person that your birth mother or father or your birth mother has requested no contact in 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 the circumstances at this point in time so that's just a conversation that we'll have with people just to advise them of the no contact wishes of their birth mother that rejection's very hard isn't it i think so but i think you know we're we're very skilled in the adoption authority and in the child and family agency in really putting a context on it that this context is not about individuals. It may be about the, you know, the treatment the person got at the time. And as you said earlier, you know, the shame that they were imbued with about having a child out of wedlock. So it's important now that we we reflect that it, it may be something that they experienced then. And we can also have conversations into the future. And we see it all the time that people come back and they change their minds. They've had a chance to reflect on, on the issues and, and maybe on having contact or maybe even just sending a letter. Yeah, I, w- I was chatting with um, one of my nieces. She's in her early twenties, and uh, I, that phrase "out of wedlock." She didn't. She actually didn't. <laughs> she was like, "So what do you mean?" And I said, "Somebody was you know, born; they weren't married." And she goes, "What, what was that?" Just as the young generation today have no concept no, of what no. that of what that meant. Thank God. Thank God. Absolutely, thank God. it's a different it's a different language that that we all grew up with. But it's yeah. good now that it's moving very much into the past, and we can we can open up, and, and you know, we can we can give people their. 
dignity now in terms of giving them the information that they're entitled to, but also supporting their families of origin. Absolutely. Long, long overdue. Listen, you're, you're, doing, you're doing fantastic work. Uh, thank Patricia, you so much. well done. And thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Lovely to talk. Bye-bye. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Patricia Carey, CEO of the Adoption Authority. And as Patricia mentioned, you're probably at this stage, uh, it, was, it was at least a month ago, I'm sure I got the, the booklet that I have actually in front of me, Access to Birth and Early Life Information is Changing, is the name of the booklet. And it's all about the birth information and tracing. And uh, from the uh, first of October. People will be entitled to get all the information that's held uh, either by the state or by Tusla. Uh, any information about the, uh, their original birth sites. And if anybody went to Dara O'Brien, I went to see him in the in the marquee. His current show, he discovered, he was I think he was about 35. He discovered that he was uh, adopted. He never realised that he'd been adopted. And then he went on a journey to try to find his birth mother and birth family which he subsequently has done and it was during lockdowns and all of that so he was delayed actually meeting up with his with his birth family but actually the second half of his show outlines the length he went to to try to find out his birth mother's name and he on stage you know holds up you know this envelope that he received at the time when he was trying to get the information from the home where he'd been adopted through the adoption society and he they they got pages and pages of just blank pages or else it had been just there had been information on the page but it's completely blacked out and that's all the redacted information that he got so he's somebody who knows that there's a lot of information on file about him and he would be entitled to get that information from the 1st of October and it'll be the same for anybody who has been adopted and I think particularly I want to get that message out to people who have tried in the past to reach out either to try to find their birth mother or as in in the case of the one young man that I spoke with who reached out to his birth mother but on, on, on three separate occasions she said no to him and it was absolutely heartbreaking to hear his story because you could see in his face the rejection every single time his birth mother said no I don't want to, I don't want to meet him I don't want to meet up with him and again I was trying to explain to him you don't know her story what she went through when she had to give you up for adoption because hand on heart I genuinely believe there is nobody willingly gives a child up for adoption it was a very very different Ireland to the Ireland that we have today so to anybody who had reached out in the past and for whatever reason their birth parents is they couldn't find them or the birth parent birth mother opted not to have contact please go back again put your name down on this preference Register. Go talks to the go talk to the likes of uh, Patricia Carey and her team at the Adoption Authority because there you know there may be some other way that you can make contact with a birth a family. Um, you know, it might not, not might not necessarily be initially with your birth mother, but there might be siblings. Oh eight one eight one zero three one zero three. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And we have a number of issues to discuss on our monthly insurance slot. And joining me, as always, with the advice is Paul Kavanagh of McCarthy Insurance Group. Uh, good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, and Patricia. You're very welcome. Now, of course, I mentioned that we were doing insurance and somebody sent in a question. And I don't know if it's something you can help with or not. It's to do with the mortgage on an insurance. It's to do with insurance on a 
mortgage. And I'll just read it to you. It uh, says, has anybody out there any experience with receiving a mortgage protection waiver from permanent TSB under the Credit Act of 1995 for over 50s? And somebody who can't get insurance on a joint mortgage where one party has it but the other can't get it. Has permanent TSB ever permitted the waiver for a small mortgage for anyone out there we're desperate due to complete sale and can't get insurance for one of us. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it, it does actually, Patricia. Um, thankfully, there it, it's a minority of cases that are declined for life insurance um, by, the, by an insurer or insurers, uh, and then it leads to problems with getting a mortgage. It's, it happens with new new house purchases. It happens all over the place. If there's if there's a problem a sickness, a, a, a history of illness or something like that, or maybe a, an illness cured, uh, then they all have to be referred and there has to be a medical maybe and then the actuaries will decide uh, um, in the insurance companies uh, who, who is going to quote or what is going to quote. So, first of all, let's get the waiver out of it. There was a waiver system there in 1995 the, the your listener is correct. Uh, I, my information is that that is no longer there, ah. uh, and that everything is at the discretion of the insurance company. Now, the first thing I would say is it's probably only one insurance company that has declined. So my advice would be to get a second opinion, i.e., get, a, get go to a broker and get a second insurer wherever that uh, client uh, listener is listening. There today, if uh, I, I think that when I heard it earlier, they're at work. So, if, or they'll get back to to you there. Yeah, the go go to a local broker. Go and to a local broker yeah. and explain your details exactly what has happened. It, it, it's at the discretion of of the lender, depending on the number of years, the size of the of the of the loan, etc. And and we have seen cases where. Uh, which the listener was asking, we have seen cases where, yes, the waiver has been brought in, but at the discretion of the lending company. Ah, so whether okay. that be a bank or building society. Okay, and like it's tough enough out there to try and get a mortgage and to try to secure a property, but it's it really is heartbreaking when they're, where they're trying to complete a sale and it seems to be on a relatively small mortgage. Okay, so the best of yep. luck to our listener with that. Best now, of luck, but w- one word of advice there, Patricia, both yeah. for every person going for their loan, uh, the, the, uh, and, and that includes everybody now. Don't ignore the house insurance and the life insurance, which seems to be the case until the loan is approved. Don't wait for the loan to be approved because there could be difficulties with getting the house insurance, subsidence, flood, claims history, whatever. Yeah. There could be difficulties with the with the mortgage protection insurance, as you've just pointed out. And what we find is it happens at the 11th hour and they've got their approval subject to the home insurance and to the mortgage protection. And then they discover, oh, oh, now we have a problem. And that then, that things get... Delays uh, everything again. Delayed. Oh, and the, the seller gets all foostered and may want to withdraw and yeah. all this type of thing. So the, do, don't, I always say, assume nothing. Get get out there and get, get the, those little bits done so so that you know, I mean, the person may be doing up the house, they may not be living in the house, and we get a lot of those requests where the person needs to do up the house before this. So they want to get the mortgage to move in and the bank want everything covered off and... It's not possible sometimes, so there just needs to be a bit of thought going to it. Just on um, 
house insurance, um, Paul. We had a woman a couple of weeks ago contact us, cost of living and everything's going up. And she said for the first time in her life, she was thinking of not not renewing her house insurance premium. Uh, and I straight away said, oh, please, whatever you do. Would you worry about that with cost of living? I and would, yeah, I, I always say, Patricia, it's the first bill. I, I suppose everybody's like me. They come in in an envelope or whatever, or we get them on our phone. And we leave them there or we forget about them or we put them up on the table and we go, yeah, if I have a few bob for that, no, I'll look after that one. And then, of course, the time comes and we forget about it, to be honest with you. And if the person is stuck, if the household is stuck, yes, they're kind of going, yeah, you know what, what, what will I do without, will I do, <laughs> you know, will I do without the house insurance? And the answer is, I suppose, look, you can survive without house insurance, but God forbid if anything happens, and we've had a number in my lifetime in this business, I've seen close on a hundred, I would say, hand in my heart, of these type of cases of houses burning down and there are no insurance cover. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've, I, I, I'd back... Me and all yeah, I'd back that up. I've uh, Over the years, I've been doing this programme every week, the amount of those kind of cases. And when you talk to the people, and of course, do you have house insurance? It'll be, I forgot to pay it. Or, you know, I, yeah. I just put it away on the long finger and I forgot to pay it. I mean, it is one of those things. To me, you know, we all pay our car insurance because we know if we got stopped by the guards, your house insurance is as important. Absolutely. And even though it's not mandatory only in in the event of a mortgage with a bank, what I would say, if people are in difficulty like that, don't be looking at the bill. Take the bill into one of our offices, into a broker's office and have a chat and ask, is there something I can do? Can I cut it back? Can I can I remove this, that or the other from it? But fire insurance is, is number one. Fire insurance and public liability for anybody coming onto the site. Uh, dogs biting on we went through all that previously so you know have a chat about it don't let it go uh, if you have you know what I mean if you have 250 euros and you don't have 350 maybe we can bridge the gap yeah yeah and, and, okay and, 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 and then there's other back. and I'm, I'm, in, I'm assuming I, I, well, maybe I'm, I'm right or wrong could you pay monthly is that is that possible now with insurance you, you, you can pay monthly. Can you? Yeah, yeah, with, the same way. Not with all insurers, but with, we, we, we prefer to pay it with the insurers and then you get great service by having it with the insurers or we advise people to go to the, their local credit union. Yeah. Okay, now, seeing as we've mentioned house fires, there's been a spate of dishwasher fire, fire, yes, fires. Absolutely. We, we had a horrific one down in, down in, down in Kerry uh, in, in the last few months uh, caused, would you believe, 90,000 worth of damage. And oh. I have permission to, to give out that figure. It, it was absolutely uh, astounding. Uh, the person left the house, went out to do their shopping and came back to find the fire brigade trying to quench the fire, lost the roof of the house, etc. as a result of it. Uh, it, it only goes back to all the advice we give about these items and I, I, I wanted to bring it to the listener's attention because I know we're listening to all the economic people at the moment and the energy people telling us oh there's, there could be blackouts between 5 and 7 and that's the, the key period uh, of time Don't be using so your electricity between 5 and 7 yeah. Appliances. Yeah. Exactly Patricia So my advice is yeah, grand, okay we'll abide by, but don't put them on going to bed do not put them on going to bed. Not with what some of the situations. Thankfully, there are only a handful, but we do see them, whether they be chargers, whether they be uh, washing machines, dishwashers, and the worst one of all, as we know, is the, the condenser dryer. 
they are legal. Are the, they? The drivers with no... You vid- yeah. Keep an eye on them. Dish yourself to get red hot. Yeah, I, I, I actually have one and, and I try to use it very infrequently because I hate tumble drying things. Right. I, I think and it ruins clothes. But I've ne- I never realised that they're one of the worst. They do they get very hot. Yeah. They, what happens is there's a build-up of lint, as they call it, yeah, yeah. inside them. And the heat can make that lint combust. Okay, so so you're saying when you turn on any of those appliances, be in the house. So at least, if God forbid, it started to smoke or something happened, Correct. you'd be able to yeah, you'd be able to see it. The chargers with the young people going to bed, charging the phone overnight, and some of the cheaper leads. That the cheaper leads yeah. are the problem. Yeah, not the proprietary leads. If you, I always say, if you have an Apple phone, use an Apple lead. If it's a Samsung phone, you use a Samsung Hawaii, whatever the make is. But as you know, we can, they're everywhere. They're in markets. We see them. Cheap leads, you know, a couple of euros, and the kids buy them different colors and whatever, and they're fancy. But, like, I mean, they're lethal. If they're free, and that's what happens. That's the first one. I mean, in, when, when they're new, they're, fer- they're perfect. But what happens is that they fray at, at the piece that you plug into the phone or the piece that you plug into the wall, into the, into the socket. And, and the, any bit of fraying whatsoever, if you can see any bit of wire appearing, blue, red, yellow appearing in there, that's the time to get rid of it. Put it in the Absolutely. bin. Put it in, put it in the bin. Put I actually, in the bin. I actually, we had one at home and I, I just suddenly noticed it was fraying. And when I looked at it, you could actually see it was gone, it was blackening. So it was yep. obviously it had smoked at some stage, so it just went straight into the bin. Now, another kind of a timely one is, and this comes up on our Garda file every week, thefts from uh, houses and uh, people leaving the doors and the windows open. It's almost inviting the criminal in, isn't it? It, it is, and they're driving around looking for it. I, I, I'm, I love having the front door open and the back door open in the middle of the summer, but only when you're there, please, and only when you're keeping an eye on it. And do not go out into the garden, and there's been a number of tips where people are out in the garden and their house has been, whether it only be a purse or a bag, has been stolen uh, from the house while the person is out in the back garden. Why? Because they left the front door open. It's It's just crazy. Also, there... The criminals, I always say, the criminals are still around. They haven't gone away anywhere. Uh, and they're looking for opportunities. And they see an opportunity. They see you going shopping, going to a wedding, a funeral, whatever. They are watching. And they know uh, so-and-so is, is, is there's something on in that area today. Therefore, that area is prime. There'll be nobody around and they can have their pickings. They will go around and try the doors and the windows. And of late, in the summer, we have seen bikes, uh, uh, the lovely gazebos, um, the beautiful furniture just being removed. And exactly. nobody takes any bit of notice. Why? Because it's a wide van or whatever, just pulls in, loads up and off they go. Yeah, you've got to be, you've got to try and make everything as secure as possible. And of course, there's always... Your neighbours, keep, keep talking to your neighbours, tell them we're going away for the weekend. Keep an eye on our place. The and the, the opportunistic uh, theft, I had a friend of mine who was sitting in her front sitting room watching TV and she went out to the kitchen to get something and she realised her bag was her handbag was open on the table she said I didn't leave that open her back door somebody just walked in her back door her bag was on the table they opened up the bag and they walked back out the door with her her wallet and then closed the door and all of her money was gone and it just happened she doesn't you know she was any time during the evening it could have happened and the guards reckoned an opportunistic 
theft. Somebody came and re- was checking doors and realised her back door was open and walked in. So just uh, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. OK, and uh, finally, e-scooters. Uh, is, it's one of those contentious uh, issues. They're, they're, they're not covered under your house insurance, are they? They are not covered. And okay. we must re-emphasise that now. And especially in view of, of what has been announced by the Department of Transport and Minister Ryan, that they are not going to be registered or they're not going to be taxed or whatever. And that's all good news for somebody. But who is going to pay if somebody gets knocked down or run over? And we've had it. We've had elderly people knocked over with them. We've had young people knocked over. There has been, I think, two deaths already off them. Okay, it's small. There's no doubt about that. But who is going to look after these people and their families if there's no insurance on them? Mm. So there has there has to there has to be some awakening by 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 the government into this, in, uh, and we're we're waiting with bated breath now nearly twelve months to find out what plan have the government got for for the regulation of these uh, e-scooters and the speed the speed at which some of them can that can go. We've had people saying they were nearly knocked off the footpath, but because yeah. they they go on on the footpaths. Okay, listen, be on no, the no, one hundred percent. Listen, you're always a mine of information. Thank you for that, and we'll chat again next month. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. That is Paul Kavanagh, who is the Certified Insurance Director at uh, McCarthy Insurance Group. Uh, Somebody just in by text saying, Hi Trish, is the Cork Rose on tonight? Of course, the Rose Tralee competition uh, kicks off tonight. Dahi on stage with all of the beautiful roses tonight and uh, tomorrow night. And then, of course, it's uh, after tomorrow night we'll find out who is going to be crowned Rose of Tralee for this year. I got Bernie just to check as soon as that text came in and uh, Bernie says that the announcement of the running order for the Roses is not going to be announced until four o'clock today so we don't have the announcement yet. Um, so I don't know. I can't tell you if the Cork Rose which seems a bit late doesn't it for the girls themselves in order to prep and get ready for tonight whether they're going to be on stage or not before o'clock today. We're expecting the official announcement of who's on stage and uh, when they would be on stage. 0818103103 Keep your questions coming in for Annalise Drissel please our nutritional therapist because she'll join us later on in this hour you can call John you can call Bernie who's in for John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp me to 0862103103 Now earlier on the programme we were talking about Bail and Blow and the commemoration that went on yesterday and uh, one of the points that was made was the work that has been conducted at the site of Bail and Blow over the last number of weeks and months by Cork County Council and it's had a complete facelift and the whole idea of it is to future-proof it for future generations and now certainly last week when we had some queries in about would the work be would, would the work be finished and I kept saying it will honest to God they will get it finished if they have to work 24-7 and they did and uh, well, we had some people who weren't happy with the new design of it. I mean, it's completely changed. You driving past when you were driving past before the monument was was actually on the side of the road. So you drove past it and the railings were around it, uh, etc. Now it's completely changed. There's almost a wall up in front of it and a footpath. One of the main arguments that we had last week and people not happy about it was they've narrowed the road and as one of our listeners came on air with me was making the point that that road is narrow narrow 
out by Bailing Law and it's the one section of the road that was wide where trucks could overtake or pull in to allow cars to overtake and obviously now they've narrowed the road and some local people were, were giving out about that but Stephen and Kerry says I know that many people might not agree with me this morning uh, because when people saw it on TV yesterday or went to Bailing Law a lot of people are, are very pleased with the work that Cork County Council have conducted but not our Stephen in County Kerry uh, he said I watched the ambush site on TV yesterday and I actually think they've spoilt it what was wrong with it the way it was a simple headstone on a roadside marking where one of the greatest Irishmen who ever lived lost his life it looked to me watching it on TV yesterday as it's now become a tourist attraction it looks like they've put a promenade in. it looks like a promenade you would have in front of some luxury hotel and yes the material did come from my native South uh, Kerry what will come next a souvenir shop question mark question mark says Stephen in County Kerry who says look at the lovely monument at Kilmichael you can stand at that spot and realise it's very much the same as it was a hundred years ago just my view at the end of the day nothing more all the best said Stephen in Kerry who is not happy with the work that was conducted as I say certainly last week we had some people who would be agreeing with you Stephen who weren't happy with it but yesterday of the people that went we had a number of people contacted us this morning and all were very fulsome in their praise of Cork County Council and say that they've done terrific work and when I was speaking with Senator Tim Lombard earlier on on the show he also thinks the work that they have done is uh, terrific and it's the point I made it's been kind of future proofing it for the future generations and that in another 100 years it will still be there with the original monument had it been maintained still be there absolutely but you are very much entitled to your view as uh, Stephen thank you for that and good to have you listening to us in uh, Kerry and just staying on Michael Collins uh, Margaret in Limerick says there was an unveiling of a Michael Collins plaque in Garen Derrick I've never heard it. it's it's Garen Derrick and I hope I'm pronouncing that right it is the last it's the bridge that Michael Collins crossed on his way to West Cork on the way to Bailnablaw and this monument and plaque that went up yesterday was donated by Sean Collins from Buttevant who according to Margaret in Limerick is a distant relative and there was a great turnout and Margaret wants to point out there was no heckling. Okay, so well done to Sean Collins from Buttevant in erecting that plaque in, in Garen Derrick they were at the site of the bridge that and I'm assuming that was on that last on this day 100 years ago as he was heading to West Cork then on a couple of other issues uh, Mike in uh, East Cork says he was in North the North Cork area yesterday I'm not quite sure where this was on Saturday last and he said a white van overtook a line of traffic and he said literally just a few seconds later almost in the blink of an eye a big truck came around the corner he says it was a really, really close call. Mike is really annoyed, as he says, everyone on that road would have been injured if there had been a crash. If it, literally, it was seconds. If it had just been seconds, how stupid some people are when they decide to overtake. And it's usually just impatience. It's absolute impatience. And it's the point that I was making last week in advance of Bail Law for people who are going to be travelling down to Bail Law. I was saying to people who don't know the roads, be very aware that they're narrow, winding roads and you never know what's coming up around the corner. Local people will know this is a very dangerous bend. But for people maybe who don't know the area, really stupid, really... And you get an awful fright, Mike, you really do. I was, tr- I was in Clonmel at the weekend and on Saturday I was in town and a car pulled out from... 
oh, from my shopping centre and I, whether they didn't see me or they thought I was turning in, I'm not too sure. And the absolute, no, I swerved, thankfully, and I didn't hit that. They didn't hit me and I didn't hit the car on the other side. But it was one of those moments where your heart is literally in your mouth. So, yeah. It, it is shocking. I think then when you stop and think about it in what you're describing there could have been a really, really bad, bad accident. And can we help out a young listener, please? Uh, Declan, he's just a 10 year old. He was at the Timalik Festival at the weekend and he lost his black jacket. Now, the black jacket has a picture of a Scana truck on the back of the jacket. And this particular jacket was a present from his dad. And this young Declan would really like to get it back. So was anybody at the Timmy League Festival on Saturday would have spotted this jacket and picked it up and took it home for safekeeping. If so, can you contact us and we have young Declan's contact details and we can pass it on to you and uh, we can get the jacket back to Declan. So a black jacket with a picture of a scanner truck on the back. Did anybody spot that at the Timmy League Festival? Would love to hear from you. Please keep those questions coming in for Annalise. I can see them coming in by uh, text and over the phone to Bernie. In the meantime, let me pick up on some emails into the programme. This it, this kind of ties in with what we were talking about earlier when I had Senator Tim Lumbridge on the programme talking about the Warren in Rascarbury that unfortunately last week flew a red flag. It was closed for public bathing due to water quality. Well, a Skibbereen listener was actually in at the Warren Strand in Rascarbury yesterday. And yesterday was a beautiful day to go to uh, the beach. And this sister says it was a beautiful day. Lots of sunshine, lots of people about. But the Skibbereen listener is emailing about the car park. Now, the car park, he says, was more than half full. Oh, yes, the car park. As I walked around, my shoes got covered in white dust. My trousers were full of dust. When we got back into the car, the car was full of dust. Why has this car park at the Warren in Rossgarbury over the years, why has it not been tarmacadamed? It should be. What is wrong with Cork County Council? Where are the local councillors for that area? I assume, says this listener, that hundreds of local people must have raised this issue in the past. This car park must be tarmacked as a matter of urgency. And I'm assuming if I got on to Cork County Council with a query about that, they'd say it's a cost uh, issue. But it's a popular, the Warren is a beautiful, beautiful beach in Rascarbury, And it is popular. And I'm sure the week before when we had the very hot weather that that car park probably would have been full on most days and if the dust is rising like that yeah I can understand your annoyance but I'm sure as they say Cork County Council will say it is a cost uh, issue does it annoy other people who regularly go to the Warren Beach in Roscarby have other locals in particular or visitors complained that the car park should be tarmacked and should have been tarmacked many years ago. 0818 103 103. And then Ian emailed uh, the programme. I received this when I came into work this morning saying, Hi, uh, Patricia and team. I composed this email out of total frustration and yet again, another nonsense tax by our government. The tax that Ian writes to us about is the company car benefiting kind tax. My major issue with this tax is at a time when all the government talk about is going green and carbon emissions. They are taxing employees with company cars more money the less we drive. All this while the Greens are in power. Eamon Ryan should be on his bike heading far, far away. Let me explain. I thankfully have a very decent job with an average slash good pay. I also have a lovely new Skoda Superb. 
all sounds and looks great. But this is where the problem starts. I do relatively low mileage at work. And because of this, the car is costing me personally the bones of 600 euro for a month through benefit in kind. For me to reduce the tax rate, I would have to drive the car more for work purposes. I cannot for the life of me make sense of it. And from the start of next year, they're increasing the taxes. At a time when everyone is told to reduce their carbon footprint, the government themselves have a tax system in place that is promoting working people to drive more to save themselves money. And they're making it worse this coming year. The irony is laughable. Now, take into account the government are doing everything in their power to promote public transport, carpooling, etc., to reduce carbon emissions. And yet, they're forcing every single rep like myself to drive as much as they can. I would hope that you and your team would look into this and open a discussion up and see if there's any local councillor, any local TD, anyone can actually come on and explain how this idea makes any sense bar it being a major revenue collecting exercise. So I did a quick sort of a Google search on Benefit in Kind because the one thing I always knew about Benefit in Kind, anyone who has a company car, Benefit in Kind is based on the original market value of the car. But what I didn't realise is the percentage that the employer uses in the calculation of how much the employee pays in Benefit in Kind depends on how many kilometres the employee drives in a year for business. The greater the level of business kilometres, the lower the cash equivalent will be. I did did not realise that and I don't know if that was a change because to me when Benefit in Kind came in, it came in and it was based on the cost of the car. So I, I didn't realise it was to do with the, the percentage of, of how much you're, you're driving, which makes you're right. Ian's point is very right at a time when we have the Greens certainly in power trying to get people to reduce their mileage on the, ro- on the road. Here, we, what looks at is a tax that's doing the exact opposite. It's actually encouraging employees to drive further in their company car in order to re- reduce the amount they pay in benefiting kind, kind. Yeah, I would have to agree. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. And I'm, assu- I'm assuming, Ian, you're not on your own. You'll have others uh, listening to this programme saying, yeah, Ian is spot on. 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Bantry Blues Healthy Clubs are inviting teenagers and their parents from the Bantry area to a talk by Bantry native Shawnee McGrath on practical steps for performance and well-being. It's tonight at 7 o'clock in the Bantry Blues Clubhouse in Wolftone Park. This is a free event and it's open to teenagers, males and females and their parents in the greater Bantry area. Bingo continues in Boston GAA Hall every Monday night, including tonight at 8pm. The jackpot this week is €4,650. Everyone very welcome to attend. Ballinhasic Community Development Association are having a Kaylee in the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic next Friday night, dancing from 9.30 to 12.30, admission €10 Euro, and it does include teas. 
and the Eugene Cronin Memorial Walk is taking place next Saturday. Registration is in the Bantry Tourist Office at 11am on Saturday. Free event with donations on the day to Bantry Hospice. All are welcome. And Canturk Fire Brigade next Saturday are holding a family open day at their new station. There will be a car cutting demonstration. Walk around the station. You can get to sit in a fire engine, meet the crew, face painting, a chance to look around the ambulance and guard the cars. And there will be a raffle, hot and cold drinks and snacks. On the day, they'll have a bucket collection with all proceeds going to the community air ambulance. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And John, WhatsApp in the programme says, Patricia, the power situation is now a farce. Brian Cowan says the minister and civil servants responsible were asleep at the wheel. Consumers are now to have to pay more for what is an unreliable supply. You really couldn't make this up, says uh, John. And I was actually reading just this morning before I came on air that a major review of the security of the country's electricity and gas supply, that's due for completion in the next few weeks. And that, I think, is going to make for a very, very interesting reading because that comes at a time when there were growing fears of power outages over the coming winter months as demand for electricity rises faster than the supply can increase to meet it. And it was only last week that the National Energy Regulator, the CRU, they issued an emergency document to all of the electricity supply companies proposing steep new tariffs for large power using businesses to try to encourage them to ease off on their usage during periods when supply is under strain. Now, the power companies were also told that they and they've been given two weeks to do this to find ways to get us, the householders, to avoid unnecessary electricity use during the peak times. Now, the peak times every day daily is between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. That is when demand surges. So we as householders are all going to be asked to be very careful of the electricity we use between 5 and 7. And when this came out last week, I was even thinking, what do I do between 5 and 7? Like I've consciously made the decision that I certainly won't be putting on a dishwasher or a washing machine between 5 and 7. But between 5 and 7 is the time that my cooker is going because that's the time that I cook a dinner. And I'm thinking I've no way around that because it's the time that we eat uh, every day. And I'm sure it's the same for a lot of households. But I suppose if we can look to on the TV, of course, it's going to be on. It's got to be on for me for the news. But I suppose we've got to look at other appliances around the house and see between 5 and 7 if we can switch anything off that's going to mean looking to the children to maybe turn off the computer games and make sure that they're not on make sure any lights that are on are if they're in a room where there's nobody in that the lights are off and certainly the washing machine and the dishwasher and the dreaded tumble dryer that we mentioned earlier if we can try not to be using that between five and seven now wider political and industry reaction to the CRU's intervention has ranged from shock to annoyance to even anger I mean a lot of the argument has focused on the role of these data centres because these data centres are draining a huge amount of power from the national supply and of course the data centres are going 
24-7. And then we had the collapse of several contracts that were to have been secured. They were to give us the backup winter supply from energy generation uh, companies. But those contracts have, have collapsed. They're now all under the spotlight. And then this review into how such arrangements are being handled and how the country's electricity supplies have been so perilous. They were announced about two months ago when a for, former circuit, Secretary General of the Department of the Taoiseach was appointed to conduct this review. and But a much broader review, which was first announced by the previous government, I'll take you back to November of 2019. That's to examine the security of the electricity now and up to 2050. And that's the one that is nearing completion. So let's see what comes out of that. The biggest concern at that time, back in 2019, was ensuring the rollout of offshore wind energy and to ensure that it happened fast enough to supply the majority of the country's electricity needs by 2030. But I don't think we're anywhere near the offshore wind energy. I mean, if you think we're only eight years away from 2030, are we anywhere near that we would have enough offshore that would supply the majority of the country and we wouldn't have to look to any other country for our uh, supply? And of course, 2030 is important because 2030 is the time that the Carib gas field will have run out. And since the review began, the CRU has sounded the alarm bells over rocketing demand for power by these data centres. Progress on major new offshore wind energy projects has completely slowed down. Then you've got to add into that the war in Ukraine. Then there's the global gas shortage and that sparked a crisis over the cost and availability of gas on the international market. So talk about it being a perfect storm. And I was also reading in the paper this morning that on board Planola will make a decision by the 9th of September this year whether it will grant permission to the Shannon LNG. Now, LNG is liquefied national gas. That's the liquefied national gas project, which would see a new gas terminal built. It's between Tarbert and Ballylongford in County Kerry. And the idea of that new terminal is that it would receive shipments of liquefied natural gas from abroad. They would then do something called regasify it on that site and then they would pump it throughout the country. But environmentalists and climate campaigners have fought what is a privately backed project for almost 20 years now. But And government policy on paper is also opposed to it. But it seems now because of this perfect storm and because we have this whole danger about the security of electricity and gas supply going forward, it seems now that several coalition ministers and TDs have recently voiced support for this particular project. The review is expected to say it should not be ruled out, but that a public liquefied natural gas storage facility might be preferable. So I think there's going to be a clash there between environmentalists and climate campaigners, if they've been against it for 20 years, I don't think they're going to accept it very easily. And while all of that is going on, we as householders will be asked to cut down on our usage, particularly between five and seven. And we have these huge data centres draining so much of our national supply. I think John is right. At times you sort of read, read into stuff and you read into things like this that's happening and you just think you really couldn't make this up. 0818103103. Bernie is taking your calls. Uh, we are looking for your calls, please, for Annalise. If you have a question for Annalise or you can text her WhatsApp a question to 0862. 
So again, these wouldn't be great to take long term, but they certainly can help a short term uh, problem and they can help you get back into a normal sleep pattern. So the the antihistamines that make you drowsy, try those for a couple of weeks. Okay, and it's all about good sleep hygiene, isn't it? And working at it, going to bed at the same time, getting up at the same time, being careful what you're eating and drinking before you go to bed, screen time. No caffeine at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. No electric things in the room, so to get rid of Get rid of alarm clocks that have got the LED display. Don't have your phone in the room. Keep anything outside. Make sure everything electric is turned off because it's actually that electricity is one of the worst disruptors for sleep in Mm. a room. Yeah, and there's nothing worse than not being able to get a a good night's sleep. Uh, Okay, uh, next. Now, there's two questions in on uh, tinnitus. Is there any treatment for tinnitus? So, there is actually a couple of things that can help, but... With tinnitus, there's different types of tinnitus. So there's tinnitus that results as a, as a result of hearing damage and people who would have been in environments where there would have been a very loud sounds are that have had an injury to the ear. Unfortunately, that kind of tinnitus, really, there's nothing you can take that will limit that or, or make it any better. Um, there is a programme, I think, in Ireland that they run for people who suffer from tinnitus. And all it does really, it's very good, but what it does is it helps you become accustomed to the noise so that you can live with it, but it doesn't actually do anything to reduce the noise of the tinnitus. The second type of tinnitus can result after an infection or a viral infection in the inner ear that causes inflammation of the canals and you can feel vertigo. Some people get vertigo, they feel dizzy and nauseous and some people get tinnitus. So for that, you can follow an antiviral and anti-inflammatory approach. So for that, I always recommend the olive leaf extract as your antiviral. And then for your um, natural anti-inflammatories, I would recommend curcumin, which is the extract of turmeric and boswellia. And take those for a, a couple of months and that hopefully would help bring down the inflammation and manage the tinnitus. Um, rosemary actually is very good as well. So drink rosemary tea or get a good organic rosemary oil and you can maybe put a few drops of that into some boiling water and drink it as a tea as well. And then the third type of tinnitus in my experience comes from a misalignment of the spine where there's a nerve being trapped. And there, again, there's nothing you can take for that. The best thing to do is to go to a good osteopath or a good chiropractor and have them work on it and that's how I managed to resolve my tinnitus but I knew mine was related to my neck Patricia because when my back and neck would get sore the tinnitus would get worse yeah, and when my neck was good I'd have none so I can highly recommend Dr. Karina Maloney she's over in Wilton and she is she's my chiropractor and I would trust her wholeheartedly okay well done well done now here's one of those embarrassing ones question please for Annalise it's for my mother who is in her 80s and she has as she's gotten older she's suffering terribly with flatulence every time she moves or stands up it's hugely embarrassing for her is there anything Marie says that I that you could recommend that could help so I think there's a couple of things that might help there and probably as you get older you're not as um, mobile so it's getting trapped and when you move then it's being released. So probably the most practical thing I would say is that she should probably, um, you know, when she wakes up in the morning she should probably try and pull her legs up to her as far as her chest as she can and try and get some release before she even gets out of bed. But what you can take to reduce flatulence is something called activate charcoal. It actually is exactly that. It's just charcoal, but it can absorb the air bubbles into itself and then it just 
you just release it naturally with the bowel movement, the charcoal goes out. And that's great if for people if you have to be anywhere um, because a lot of people suffer from flatulence. It can be really embarrassing. And I mean, for a woman in her 80s, it can be just yeah. so embarrassing. Well, you just don't want to go anywhere. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. be out in public. So the, the great thing about that is that it works very quickly. You take it before you eat and after you eat. So you can take it on a day where you know you're going to have to be out and about. Yeah. Um, the other thing that can help as well is a probiotic. Um, there is one called One Week Flat that a lot of our customers would take in order to kind of get bloating down before an event. But bloating is caused by trapped wind, so it'll work for that. And it's by a company called Octibac. It's called One Week Flat. And that might help in the long term to reduce the amount of wind and then the um, the activated charcoal. And actually, now that I think of it, Patricia, another thing that might help as well, especially with the elderly, digestion isn't as efficient. So taking a digestive enzyme that would help you break your food down better so there's not as much substrate for bacteria to ferment. That can help in more ways than one. It'll help with flatulence, it'll help with bowel movement, and it'll help them get the best out of their food. So just a, a kind of a good broad-spectrum digestive enzyme from the health shop. Okay, come, and since we a lot of stomach issues today, could any of these, this is from Nora, could any of these rec- recommend anything for a nervous stomach, you know, when you get that butterfly feeling? Absolutely, yeah. And actually, it's nothing to do with the stomach. Um, What I will recommend is actually more to do with the nervous system, but it's how it affects the stomach. And it does give you that kind of fluttery, Mm. butterfly, sticky feeling in your stomach, that anxiety. So there's a couple of things that work very well to settle anxiety quickly. Uh, One is cannabis oil, CBD oil. And people, when they hear it, they think, oh, my God. But it's minus the bit that gets you high. So you can take it and you can drive and operate heavy machinery, no problem. You'll pass every drug test. There's nothing in it a leak. But it is very good for getting a kind of grounding and balancing you and making you feel calm within the space of 10 to 15 minutes of taking it. The other thing that works brilliantly as well immediately is L-theanine. Again, it does exactly the same thing. It just helps to bring down the stress hormones that are creating that sticky feeling. Um, and it works in about 10, 15 minutes. So they are the main ones that work immediately. And then generally, just if your stomach is a bit off, there is um, a one that is designed particularly for people who get a dodgy stomach when they're stressed. And it's by the company that make BioCult, but it is called, um, gosh, can I remember what it's called now? It's called um, the Zen, Zen Flora, Z-E-N-F-L-O-R-E. It's by the, it's, uh, sorry, it's by the same company that make Alflorex. And I've had good results with that with customers who feel that their stomachs get a bit off when they're stressed. So yeah. it's spelled Z-E-N-F-L-O-R-E and you'll get it in health. It's stuff. funny, really. I, I would be the same. Any stress for a period of my life, it'll always affect my, my stomach. Um, and I would have a friend of mine, she always gets really bad headaches. It's, it's stress affects people differently, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely, Patricia. And I do believe that stress is um, one of the biggest causes of disease and illness, yeah. um, especially in our time, because when you're stressed, your body, uh, everything in your body is operating for fight or flight. Yeah, That's yeah. not op- op- optimally working. So, um um, we need to all, yeah, all work on our stress, stress levels. Now, a listener is contacting us about gallstones. Anything for gallstones, please. What should I be eating? I know a low-fat diet helps, but I'm wondering, are there fruits or any other foods that Annalise could recommend? I may have to have a gallbladder removed, but I'm really trying to work on not having to have that operation if I can do stuff myself. Okay, so... Absolutely, there's lots you can try first before surgery. So gallstones are formed by a combination of kind of cholesterol and salts that harden and form stones in the gallbladder. And they can get to a size where they 
then start causing problems within the gallbladder. The main function of the gallbladder is to hold bile to release into the small intestine when you're digesting fat. So if you have stones in your gallbladder, you're going to find it very, very hard to digest fat. And when you eat fatty food, you'll probably feel nauseous. You might even get the runs. So in the short term, taking something that will help you digest your food would be of benefit. So there's two things that you could try. There's um, there's a liquid supplement called Galixir, G-A-L-E-L-I-X-I-R. And that's very good to take before a fatty meal to help you digest it better. Or you could just try a digestive enzyme. Um, and that's a short term um, relief just to help you digest your food. So in order to treat gallstones then or to try and minimize them, there are a couple of things. The first one is a South American herb called Quebra, Q-U-E-B-R-A, Quebra Pedra, P-E-D-R-A. It's known, it's called stone breaker and it's specifically to help soften out the salts that harden those stones so that you can pass them naturally. So you can either get it as a supplement or you can take it as a tea. And I would certainly take that for a couple of months along, months along with them. Um, with the digestive support. The other thing that can help is something called malic acid that we get in apple juice. So you could eat plenty apples or you could drink a glass of apple juice every day. And that malic acid also helps to soften the stones and make them easier to pass. And then in terms of diet, there's no particular foods that will help other than the malic acid in, in apple juice. But I think reducing fat will help you feel better until the gallbladder is improved. OK, back to the wind problem. I have a boy with uh, cystic fibrosis. He's on a lot of medication, but he also suffers from a lot of wind. He is on the Alflorex, but I'm not finding that it works. Is there anything else that Annalise would recommend for a boy with CF who has to take a lot of meds and the yeah. flatulence problem? So and one of the big issues with, with CF as well is that it's fat digestion is very, very difficult. So they yeah. generally take something called Creon, which is a di- an enzyme that helps to digest fat. So what I would suggest there is probably the first thing to do is increase the Creon, possibly, um, and see does that help break down the fat because that could be maybe he's, he's got a higher requirement for that at the moment. Um, taking a digestive enzyme would be very important, uh, even on top of the Creon um, if uh, maybe something like um, there's a very nice one called Ultrazyme that we have here and it's got a little bit of ox bile in it so that ox bile in itself can help digest um, digest fats a little bit better normally when people say they get a lot of wind I ask them is it the silent but deadly variety which means it's probably more a fat and protein issue okay. or if it's loud and proud and loud and proud generally <laughs> it's fermenting and that's maybe a bacteria issue. So if it's a bacteria, I'd often recommend um, a probiotic to try and get the good bacteria in there as well. So that might help in that Okay, case. these questions have to be asked. Just very quickly, who's the, who's the chiropractor that you recommended in Wilton? Her name is Dr. Krina Maloney, and I think it's called the Wilton Family Chiropractic is the practice. She's got a website. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thanks for that, Annalise. Thanks, Patricia. And Annalise has always puts up all of the information and all of the items that we spoke about today on her website, healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio. And thank you to a number of people who have told me that the Cork Rose is on tomorrow night on the Rose Trilogy. That's my leave you for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy, who produced Talk to Tomorrow 10. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.